0: Podcast episode fifty-seven. So I guess you can say this is our our Ken Harvey episode, or maybe our our Nick Nick Sundenberg episode. Whatever way you want to slice it. Welcome back to another fire episode of the Washington uh, or the Bleeding B podcast. Excuse me, I'm um, your number one source for the Washington Commanders. If you're checking us out on YouTube, be sure to like. Be sure to comment be sure to subscribe. We're appreciating all our subscribers. Um, We finally got over 1,000 views on a video. We appreciate you guys that's been checking us out on YouTube. If you're checking us out audio only, but specifically on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a rating. Be sure to leave a review. Let's let's finesse these algorithms so that when you're looking for everything Washington Commanders, bleeding B&G is the first thing that pops up. Cause you know we're giving you the raw, the objective, the uncut, the unfiltered analysis on the Washington Commanders. Um, Cause that's what you look for, Bleeding B and G for. That's what you come to. That's what you come here for. Um, if you've been a loyal fan, um, thank you guys um, for for holding us down. We've been a, going on for almost a year and a half now. We've been going steady, and um, I'm noticing. I'm noticing the um, increase in interaction, the increase in popularity, and you know just the increase in you know. Um, our our movement in this podcast game. So I appreciate all the support. Um, that 1K number that was big, man. Um, that was big for me. Uh, so be sure to keep liking, be sure to keep commenting, and be sure to keep subscribing. Um, but we're gonna get into business. So we're gonna give you a time step, as I do for every episode. So today is Sunday, June the 12th, and it is about 11 p.m. So this is this is stunning after dark. If you're checking us out on YouTube, you can see you can see the uh, the aesthetics that's going on tonight. This is Stunner After Dark, um, and we're gonna just get into you know some OTA recap, um, and you know it's 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 not the Washington Commanders, the Washington Redskins, the Washington Football Team, whatever you wanna call it. It's not a Washington offseason without drama, so we're going to be sure to cover that, and then we're going to get into a fun storyline that I haven't seen too many people uh, tap into over the in the Washington Commander community. So you know we like bringing you um, original topics and things like that, things to get you to make you go hmm, things to make you to get your get get your brain juices flowing and things like that. So we're going to look at the top five available free agents uh, that I think that Washington may be interested in. Um, ironically, and I didn't expect the list to go out this way. Um, when, you know, I started to do the list, um, uh, but the, but all five selections are, um, uh, defensive players. So be sure to stay tuned for that, um, uh, because I think there's some interesting names, um, that'll make you go, hmm, like I said. But let's touch into the week that was in the Washington offseason, and let's look you know, forward to the week that is going to be. Um, so I'm not going to touch too much on the Jack Del Rio comments, guys, um, uh, because I'm a big believer, and you believe what you believe. Um, and nobody should necessarily be chastised for what belief. Um, But I think that's one thing that has to be said um, that a lot of people are missing. And like I said, there's no right, there's no wrong. Um, but, you know, the freedom of speech, it is punishable when you're working for a private organization, which the Washington Commanders and the NFL is. Um, so, you know, that $100,000 fine, I thought a lot of people were talking about that was unpatriotic and things like that. When you're working for a public, uh, when, when you're working for a private organization, um, the freedom of speech is essentially out the window. Now I don't necessarily think that uh, Jack should have been fired um, for his comments or things like that, uh, but I do think that there's gonna be some patchwork to do. Um, like I said, while I don't think that there any there's any you know right or wrong, um, in this scenario as far as your beliefs and things like that, you'll be naive to think that you know the guys in the locker room. Uh, have the same line of thinking or don't have, you know, the opposite line of thinking as Jack. So I don't think that there may be some patchwork needed. Um, I think the media did kind of blow it out of proportion necessarily. But one thing that I think that we can necessarily all agree on, and like I said, I'm not going to touch too much on this topic uh, because I saw the divisiveness that it brought to amongst the um, timeline uh, throughout the week. But the one thing that we can all agree on, whether, the, whether you be left, right, and different, um, that, you know, the actions on January 6th were more than just a dust-up, um, more than just a dust-up, um, which, you know, Coach Del Rio um, termed it as, you know, in his pocket, uh, in his press conference and things like that. Um, and that's I think that's the only thing that, you know, was punishable uh, because, you know, the the lack of empathy that those words showed for, you know, the victims of that day and things like that. I think that, you know, that, those were the... The, the, the biggest detriment of the actions um, and the words that were spewed out of the Coach Del Rio's mouth over the course of, you know, the last week. Um, but he did get fined um, $100,000. Um, while, you know, I'm not here to agree on things like that, I did like the memo um, that Coach Ron Rivero, uh, Coach Rivera sent out um, on Friday afternoon when the news of the foul was sent out. Um, like I said in the tweet, that it was clear, concise, and there was no being around the bush um, going on. I think that the stance uh that Coach Rivera um was standing on. Um, I think that he made it known. Um I think that, you know, he shared, you know, his disappointment in his words, um, whether that was, you know, behind closed doors, like he said with um like he said in the memo with Coach Del Rio, which a lot of us in the Washington community um didn't like. Um not me necessarily, but I know a lot of people are saying that you know, they felt like Coach Rivera should have called Coach Del Rio out in a public forum. Well, I don't think it was the place for that. Um, I do like to see that, it, you know, his stance was clear. And I do like to see that there was action taken um, taken um, as far as, you know, this cause and things like that. Um, but I'm not going to touch too much into it. Like I said, this topic caused a lot of divisiveness. Anyway, it's not a Washington Commander offseason with with a, with a, with a, without a circus. The circus was in town last week for sure. Um, so that was a look back at last um, last week's last week um, last week's uh, OTA session and things like that. That was the third and final um, session for the voluntary OTAs, um, and now we can look forward into our mandatory minicap. I think that mandatory minicap starts in the middle of this week and goes um, on to the end of this week. And one person that we can expect and not be here due to uh, to the reports from Nikki Javala of the Washington Post is wide receiver Terry McLaurin. Um, my receiver, um, Terry McClellan, and they said the talks are that, you know, him and the commanders are still far apart in their negotiations and that, you know, expect him to not show up. He expect him to be holding out a mandatory minicamp. And I know a lot of people on the local beat were expecting, you know, Terry, that, you know, Terry's a stand-up guy, um, as they were saying, and they thought that, you know, with his character and things like that, that this would be a guy that would be missing mandatory minicamp, but, um, contrary, um, quite the contrary. Um... Terry's a guy that, this, this is a guy that, he's about his money, man. It's a business, and he he's showing that. Uh, this is a guy that has put the offense on his back as a third-round pick for three straight years. Like I've told you guys, if you guys haven't checked out our trade in Terry episode um, that we did a couple months ago now, uh, that number uh, episode also did numbers, so be sure to check that one out as well. I think that, you know, Terry McLaurin found himself in a finicky and an iffy situation. Um, He looks at a guy like A.J. Brown who was traded to the Eagles. So we got to remember that it was was a trade um, that was made for that deal to be done with the Eagles where he received a four-year $100 million deal with about $60 million guaranteed. And while they were in the same draft class, I don't think that Terry McLaurin is the better player. And I've I've stood on this hill on this podcast and I will continue to stand on that hill uh, that I think that Terry McLaurin is a better um, player and a more productive player uh, just look at the numbers and then a, a guy like aj brown um with um worst quarterback play with a worst quarterback situation throughout their first three years terry is a guy that's almost two calendar years older than aj brown um and it puts him in a peculiar situation um with terry coming into what, his age 27 or 28 season uh, if he's looking to sign a long-term deal, this may be the only long-term deal he gets in his career. You know, with him coming off of a rookie deal with a third-round pick, I think he's um, due to make about $2.8 million this year. And I saw a crazy stat where Jahan Dotson is um, is expected to make more in his first year than Terry McLaurin has made in his entire NFL career up until this point. And I think that that's quite unfair, uh, especially for a guy like Terry McLaurin has produced year in and year out. While it has a lot to do with you know what you've done in college and things like that, you know Terry wasn't elite um, in college per se as far as numbers and things like that. Um, There's no way that Terry McLaurin should be making two point eight million dollars going into this season, and while I know with an extension that money won't necessarily kill uh, kick into next year uh, or the year after um, this year uh, per se, but. We we gotta pay this man. Um, but if you go back to our trading uh Terry episode with this particular situation, with his age, with his situation and things like that, with us bringing in a first round receiver like uh Jahan Dotson and things like that, who is, whose reports have been coming out that every week, every single day, every single session, every single week in OTAs, a report has come out that Jahan Dotson is impressed. And like I told you guys in our last episode, I saw it with my own eyes. 65 yard bomb from Carson Wentz on the third play of OTAs, and it seems like he's doing that day in and day out. Um, but he's not Terry McLaurin, not 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 at this point. I've seen Terry McLaurin do it to the best of the best corners. I've seen Terry McLaurin do it to a guy like Stephon Gilmore in his rookie year. I've seen Terry McLaurin give a guy like Tre'Davious White work. Like we we gotta we gotta get this man to back. And as I mentioned in that traded uh, Terry episode with this peculiar situation. I think that a franchise tag is more likely than a lot of people have been talking about, especially um, revolving and the people um, that make up the Washington Commanders community. I think that a franchise tag is, is way more likely than a lot of people. I haven't really heard it um, being talked about other than us in that Trade and Terry episode and things like that. Uh, because if you look at some of the hiccups that may be presented... Um, I don't think that Terry's necessarily asking for more than, you know, like an A.J. Brown-type deal, four-year, $100 million, where he's getting $25 million per year. Annual average value and things like that, but we don't know how much guaranteed money uh, Terry's asking for. Like I said, he is two years um, older, so a difference between like a sixty million dollar guaranteed deal and an eighty million dollar guaranteed deal can be split into both both parties apart. That can be the far apart situation. While they do um, agree on the structural contract of you know the average years per value and things like that, it may be the guaranteed money. Um, You know, we have a lot of other ventures. Um, whether that be stadium, whether that be losses being paid off and things like that. Well, I've been to a question, you know, our financial capabilities. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into it in this episode. I want to see more of it play ahead. Uh, but I think that there is a deeper reason why we were um, bargaining throughout free agency and things like that. Um, I think that there is a deeper reason why, you know, we're looking to get um, stadium tax stadium. Um, state tax dollars to build a stadium and things like that, whether than you know, building it outside of our pockets and things like that. Um, Not our, um, Dan Snyder's pockets, per se. Uh, But I think that there's um, a little bit behind that um, that I'm not going to touch too much into. Um, But it's different, like, having money in the future and having money on hand is a difference, and that's where the guaranteed money comes into play. And I believe that's where, where, um, you know, they may be far apart in negotiations, as I mentioned before. But we we, got, we we have to. And I know that that franchise tag word is dreaded in the Washington commander community. When you think of a guy like, you know, Kirk Cousins, when you think of a guy like Brandon Scherf, those two guys uh, spurned us, per se. Um, but I, I think that, you know, both of those guys didn't necessarily want to be here. I think that they wore out both, both of those guys wore out their Wolfins in Washington. And I don't think that's the case for uh, Terry. I think that, you know, if it comes to the franchise tag and things like that, I think that this was a case where it was just a business. He'll uh, play out, you know. What the franchise tag is what you get an average value of uh, the top five receivers that what they make in that year. So he'll, he'll top out um, on the franchise tag at about 22, 23 million dollars per year. Um, it's just a one year rental as we know the franchise tag to be. So that's a dangerous game um, to play. Um, and that's a, and that's a game that, you know, can upset a guy, um, not necessarily, um, Terry, but it has upset guys in the future, uh, because it shows that, you know, a lack of a commitment that the organization is willing to make to a player, a player that, you know, has played, um, if you're, if you're, if you're you're up for debate for the franchise tag, you're borderline elite. So you didn't put a lot of blood, sweat and tears in for that organization, um, so you know the franchise tag does show a lack of commitment to those type of players, and they start to question like, do I really do I really want to be here? Do I really want to finish my career here? Um, and I don't know if those are the things that you know is going on in Terry McLaurin's head. You know Terry was at the Nationals game yesterday. Um, this being Saturday, as I said, as I mentioned, this um, podcast being recorded on Sunday. But as Nikki Javala recorded, he re- he went back to Florida today. Um, and he knows that, you know, the mandatory mini camp session per se is this week. He trust me, he had that in mind, but he was in the area. So, I mean, if he wanted to pop up, it's not like he's not around. Um, he was at the Nationals versus Brewers games uh, just yesterday. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, man. My confidence meter in and Terry has decreased a little bit. If you go back to our trade and Terry episode, like I said, it's about a couple of months ago. I thought that you know it wasn't guaranteed that we would have had Terry McLaurin signed, um, and I've always said that training camp is the barometer. Training camp is the is the is the end goal for me. If you know Terry's not signed by day one of training camp, um, kind of like Jonathan Allen was um, last year, I think that's when it begins to get serious, and I think that that's still the barometer. So we're still about six to six to seven weeks away from training camp. So we still have a lot of time to work um, through a Terry McLaurin deal and things like that. Um, But it's it's not here. Um, He is starting to technically hold out because, you know, keep in mind the sessions that he was missing in the weeks prior to today were voluntary sessions. But the one um, in this upcoming week is a quote-unquote mandatory minicamp. So I guess uh, guess since... Schematically, I mean, symptomatically, uh, based off the wordplay, Terry McLaurin's holdout uh, for the 2020 season, 2022 season um, will essentially start this week. Um, so I just really don't want us to play with Terry McLaurin, man. Like I told you guys before, um, I don't know if he's going to sign a five-year deal. And I think that may be the hold holdup, too. Um, Washington may be looking to sign him to, like, a four-year deal, uh, per se, um, rather than, you know, rather than, oh, uh, no. AJ Brown signed a, a four-year, uh, yeah, four $100 million uh, deal. Um, so, you know, a shorter-term deal uh, with Terry's age and things like that um, being a factor and things like that. Um, so a lot of things are ahead, and I think that these are some of the reasons why, you know, these guys are far apart um, in contract negotiations. But get the deal done. You see, I won my 17 jersey if you're checking us out on YouTube because, you know, we're Terry McLaurin fans over here. Um, so I don't think that, you know, bringing in a guy like Jahan Dotson necessarily will replace Terry McLaurin's production. Uh, and, you know, you brought a guy in like Carson Wentz to, you know, give him as many weapons as possible. Um, so, you know, you want to pair him with the best weapon on your team and Terry McLaurin. Um, so let's get the deal done. Let's give that man Terry the bag for sure. All right, so to end this episode off, as I told you guys before, we love giving you guys original content. We love giving you things that make you go, hmm. Uh, and we love sparking a lot of debate and um, discussion over um, the Washington Commander community. So today, I'm going to talk about the top five available free agents um, that are available, per se, um, this late into the offseason. season. Um, As I mentioned, it's about six weeks before training camps. So this is about, what, wave three or four of the free agency uh, tear. But there's still some good players. You know, Odell Beckham is still available and things like that. And there's still some good players that I think can make Washington even a better um, team than we are expecting them to be this season. Um, as you mentioned, um, as I've mentioned before, uh, in the I think it was on the Washington Commanders website in an interview with Logan Paulson as OTAs as the voluntary OTA sessions began. Coach Ron Rivera acknowledged that you know a third linebacker um, would like to be added to the roster. Um, he's he said it's not necessarily a necessity or a need, but he would like to see you know a more veteran linebacker added to you know the roster. Um and he also said that you know that we're going to be looking um deep into free agency during this time after the draft and things like that. So this is the reason why I wanted to touch on some names that I think can help Washington um get over the hump in the 2022 season. So at number 5, a familiar name, a name that we know very well. At number 5, um whether you want to call him uh, a hybrid, whether you want to call him a money backer just don't call him a linebacker, and that's Landon Collins. Um, one underrated thing that came out of Jack Del Rio's press conference, you know, everybody wanted to talk about the political statements and things like that, uh, but he actually touched on Landon Collins, and I think that, you know, you know, his comments made that uh, prospects of Landon Collins resided with the commanders rather bleak. Um, he almost talked as if, you know, the, the commanders didn't necessarily need to go to the Buffalo nickel position. He was talking um, in terms of Brad, uh, Benjamin St. Jude's and how well he's performed in this offseason. And he was saying that, you know, he doesn't mind going with three corners. Um, the need for the Buffalo uh, nickel position was made for Landon Collins. And he was also he was talking essentially as if, you know, Landon Collins' shortcomings as a player uh, forced him to, you know, play that Buffalo nickel-style defense, that sub-package defense. And it's something uh, the t- based off the tone that he was speaking with, um, it was something that, you know, seemed as to be a negative, you know, something that he didn't. Um, really wanted, wanted, wanted to do. Um, if you go back and go back and check out that press conference, because I know a lot of people were talking so caught up into it. You know his statements prior to, but he actually those were some interesting statements that I picked up on Landon Collins. It was almost as if you know he talked as if you know he wasn't by, You know, like he admitted that Landon had some shortcomings as a player. Um, and I. I one thing that I'll admit is that, you know, everything that he said was true, but I I will fail to I – I will be a fool to, to admit that he failed to acknowledge that Landon was a pretty good player when he was pigeonholed into that position, whether you pigeonholed him into that position or not. He did become one of your better players on that defense. Um, so, I think that, you know, well I don't think it's likely, um, Landon has kind of hit it. He's still hinting to it on his social media and things like that. I haven't really seen him hint – um, re-signing to any other teams other than the Commanders, So I think that you know Well, let's see how training camp plays out But I think Landon Collins may still be a name on the Washington Commanders um, radar number four um, Linebacker KJ Wright, and this is a guy who's uh 33 years old. He was uh, in his younger days He's a part of one of the best defense in the NFL in the legion of boom and this is a guy if you know uh, as they as they told us before As you know, Ron has told us and Cole himself has told us that Cole Holcomb is committed to this middle linebacker role. So this is a guy that can bring veteran leadership um, to that linebacker rule while, you know, manning down the outside linebacker position. That's what he's played throughout his career, you know, playing beside the likes of a guy like Bobby Wagner, even playing um, in um, Vegas last year. And while he didn't, you know, perform to the uh, likes of, you know, his Legion of Boom days, he wasn't horrible by any means. And like I said, this is a guy that if you want Cole Holcomb to play that, you know, middle linebacker role, this is a guy that can play that outside linebacker the role. The reason that he's only number four on our list is because I think that there are some guys that are capable of playing that middle linebacker role which we so desperately 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 need and I don't think that KJ Wright, well, I don't, I, I know that KJ Wright isn't a middle linebacker. It'll be kind of like putting an old Jamin Davis experiment in there like we did last year. You're putting a square peg in a round hole and things like that. Um, but KJ Wright is an aggressive tackler. He's decent in coverage. Um, he is getting older. Um, so, you know, some of this lateral quickness and agility isn't there and things like that. But it'll automatically be one of the three best linebackers in your linebacker room. And the only reason that he's only number four in our list is because he's not. Not a middle linebacker at all. Number three on all this, is a guy that is just a true middle linebacker and a middle linebacker solely, and that's a guy, Dante Hightower. He's going into his age 32 season. He's a linebacker. He's been playing with the New England Patriots for the, his entire career since his 2012 season, and this is a guy that, you know, he's a big name. Um, he's made a lot of plays in the Super Bowls and things like that, so the casual fan might be hyped and things like that, but I'll I'll be a fool to not acknowledge that this is a guy that has taken a couple of steps off. He's, he's lost a couple of steps. This is a guy that didn't play in the 2020 season, um, sitting out to COVID and things like that, and it showed last year. Um, He lost a couple of steps that he didn't necessarily have to lose, um, especially in coverage. And I know a lot of people are talking about he's just a product of the Bill Belichick system and things like that. But Dante Houtau was balling at the University of Alabama. Like, this is a guy that has been balling since, you know, his name was on the radar as a college player, as an NFL, as a high school player. He's a five-star coming out of high school. I remember him very well. Um, And this is a guy that up until last year was a plus player, was a plus player, and he's still – um brings 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 the thump especially in the run game which you so desperately desperately need um this is a guy that brings you know super bowl experience this is a guy that brings um championship experience this is a guy that brings that New England pedigree over to your room um, so I think that that'll be a, a pretty good pickup on that's Dante Hightower. Um, number three on our top five available free agent rankings for the Washington Commanders. Number two is our guy. He's entered on his age 31 season. I got Alexander Johnson, AJ Johnson, linebacker who played last play for the Denver Broncos. Um, and the reason that he's number two in our list is I think that he's just a tad bit better right now than um, Dante Hightower, but he's on the list uh, for the same reasons that I would put Dante Hightower on the list. This is a guy that can play middle linebacker. Um, I know there are talks that he's more of a three-four middle linebacker, but at this point, we just need linebackers, um, and I think this is a guy that can play in a four-three. And, and with the same with the same thing, it's talking about KJ Wright, Dante Hightower, and um, mentioning Alexander Johnson. All three of those guys will be amongst your top three linebackers um, with the day that they put pen to paper. Um, they're better than a, a David Mayer. They're better than anybody that you brought in, um, undrafted free agents and things like that. Now, I'm not going to rank it between a Jamin Davis and a Cole Hogan, but they're amongst the top three. Um, he's a little younger um, than Dante Hightower, and I think that he's better at pass coverage and things like that, uh, which is so um, highly predicated in today's NFL and things like that. And number one, number one. I don't think that this is going to happen. Um, but one thing, an uh, underrated storyline um, that we had really haven't been touching on in the Washington Commander community throughout this offseason is who's, who's going to be our third air, edge rusher? Um, I know there's a lot of hype for um, James Smith-Williams. I like him a lot. Um, but who's going to fill in that, you know, that sole pass rusher role? Um, and for number one on our list, while this guy doesn't, um, strike you as just the sole pass rusher, I think that he can come in and give you a lot of edge depth and be a leader. Um, while, you know, if you're getting any guys at this point in free agency, these are guys um, that have fell off or coming off an of injury and things like that. These are guys that are probably um, really good at one point or that aren't necessarily at that level at that point. Um, and I think that this is the case for this guy at number one on our list, and that's Edge, um, outside linebacker, DN, um, Trey Flowers. Um who last played for the Detroit Lions? Um, this is a guy who, um, at one point, was deemed a physical freak. Uh, playing with that, you know, Bill Belichick system, you, can, you know, he plays with his hand in the dirt. He can play standing up, and uh, he's a guy that you know um, it, it is productive when healthy. Uh, I think that, you know, he kind of shut out, kind of shut down, um, losing in Detroit and things like that, but this is a guy that can bring experience to a room with a Chase Young, with a Montez Sweat, with a James Smith, with a Shaka Tony, with a William Bradley King. This is a guy that you know, was at one point, one of the best defenders in the game, one of the ed- uh, most versatile edges in the game, whether that be in run support or roughing the passion, rushing the passion, while he never um, possessed really elite sack numbers and things like that, he does possess a club, he does possess a sport, Special move that he can, you know, teach a Montez sweat or teach a uh, Chase Young and things like that and can be really beneficial to that room. Um, so that's our top five available free agents um, that I think can take the Washington Commanders over the top. Number one, Trey Flowers. Number two, Alexander A.J. Johnson. Number three, Dante Hightower. Number four, K.J. Wright. And number five, Landon Collins. So let us know how you feel about that list. Uh, let us know how you feel about this episode of the Bleeding B&G podcast, Stunner After Dark. Thank you guys for tuning into to another episode of this podcast. Be sure to follow our social medias. I'll tag our Instagrams and our Twitters on this video as well. Our Instagram is at Bleeding B&G. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, B-N-G. Our Twitter is at bleeding B N G B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So the spelling's a tad bit different. Only one G in our Twitter handle. Um be sure to follow us. Be sure to follow us um on both of those platforms. We're we'll posting content daily, um, discussion boards. Um we love getting our tweets off and we love chucking it up. Um, with the Washington Commander community. Um, Be sure to check us out because we're coming with some fire content. Um, I get a lot of perks as a uh, season ticket holder this year as a part of my season ticket plan. So I'm going to be sure to share that experience with you guys as well. So be sure to check out the Bleeding b podcast, big things to come for the summer and the season 2022. Football's in the air. I can, I can feel it. I can feel it. I can, I can smell the grass now. So be sure to check out Um, our next episode, be sure to keep showing us love and I love the support and I'll be sure to check in on you guys later.